This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Learning Unlocked podcast presented by Open Sesame. Taking a deep dive into the global world of learning and development with practical tips and tricks, along with insights from leading brands and the people that make them work. This is Learning Unlocked. Now, here's your host, Brian Berger. My guest is Ellen Bailey. She is the Vice President of Diversity and Culture with Harvard Business Publishing. Ellen, thanks for joining me so much on the Learning Unlocked podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. And it's my pleasure. Really been looking forward to this conversation. Why don't you start off by telling our audience a little bit about your role at Harvard Business Publishing? I know you've had a number of different roles there, but maybe you can talk about your nine years there and your current role. Sure, absolutely. So I progressed from being an individual contributor and designing leadership and management solutions for organizations to honestly kind of shifting my career aspirations a bit and really wanting to focus on driving inclusivity um, that results in just the impact on society as well as the business results, to be honest with you. So over the past couple of years, I kind of shifted and still leveraged that expertise as far as solution architecture, um, gained some additional education, and then moved into this role leading globally our diversity and culture efforts. And so in this role, I not only started with building a true foundation around um, strategy and goals and vision and all of that stuff that needs to get done, Uh, But most importantly, it is to drive a greater impact with our employees so that we can have an equitable um, organization for everyone um, so that they can be successful here um, because it's just the right thing to do. Um, But also we'll see business results from it um, kind of as an added bonus. So um, one additional piece around that culture is you know, we've heard in the past that um, diversity and inclusion goes to human resources to die. And we have an actually a very contrary point of view. Um, we feel that diversity, equity, and inclusion needs to be woven in every single thing we do. So that means all processes and procedures, which is why then I um, have a, a dual reporting structure to the president of the company, as well as to the CHRO. So that's where that culture element comes into play. We've talked to so many people recently on this podcast about DEI and culture. Those are buzzwords. And yeah. it's interesting. Where does this start? You know, you talk about weaving it into the culture. 
It's not one or two people's responsibility. It's not HR's responsibility. It's not the DEI experts' responsibility. It's everyone's responsibility. But how do you weave that into the fabric of your company? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think we were challenged with that a little bit more last year than we are this year. You know, we did a lot of training. We had a lot of discussions like everybody did, right? Around, you know, what do we do as leaders? What do we do as individual contributors as an organization? Um, and we still missed. Um, we still find that we understand it conceptually, um, but it still seems to be bigger than a bread box. We still seem to be nervous about doing the wrong thing. And the bottom line is we just have to break it down into simple every single day behaviors that all of us should be doing. So I look at it two ways. I look at it as from an organizational standpoint, they, we have to look at all of our policies and procedures, our promotion rates, our pay, all of that to ensure that we are equitable. That's the business side and the corporate responsibility to our employees. Then as individual contributors, as leaders in the business, it's up to us and we all own inclusivity and making sure that um, everybody has the opportunity to show up authentically and their voice is heard. So what I mean by that is it's not this giant um, DEI thing over here. We don't shift the culture in one big swoop or one big swipe. And what it really boils down to are those individual actions. So as a people leader, Are you sending an agenda in advance of your meeting every week for people who need more time to process? Are you making sure that if it's a virtual meeting that you have the chat open so people that don't feel comfortable necessarily speaking out loud have an alternative way of sharing their insights? Do you follow up with folks who maybe didn't participate or talk in a particular meeting? So it's as simple as just recalibrating on some communication norms. Um, in a team meeting that that help with that. Um, setting some guidelines on, on how you can brainstorm and setting time aside for brainstorming and people being able to innovate and bring new ideas. Um, so it's some of those simple little things that we should just be doing all day, every day. Now, I think because they don't necessarily fall under the label of DEI. People are like, oh, wait, that's inclusivity. Yes, that's what it is. It actually, you know, if you even set race and ethnicity aside, it's really just making sure that you can facilitate the best from your people. And so how do you do that? But making sure that you have an environment and you've set an environment in a way that um, everybody has the opportunity to be heard. And as an individual contributor, speak up, you know, pull your manager aside if they're not doing these things and say, hey, maybe in our next team meeting, we could do this. Or would you mind sending the agenda in advance? So it goes kind of, you know, top down and bottom up so that we all kind of meet in the middle. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Diversity, equity and inclusion continues to be a top priority for businesses everywhere. Open Sesame has created a survey that will give you insight into where your organization stands on diversity. Aside from being educational, this survey is a powerful tool to help you understand areas of improvement and spark conversations about strategies for creating a more inclusive and equitable workplace. After you take the short survey, you'll get access to Open Sesame's DEI Toolkit, an online hub where you can find additional resources. Visit OpenSesame.com today to start your survey. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. Recruiting. It sounds like 
with your company, you want a certain type of employee. You want people who are team players and inclusive and you want that diversity. Take me back to before you even hire someone, when you're recruiting, what are you looking for? We're looking for someone that can bring a unique perspective that we don't already have. Mm -hmm. And so we actually changed a key question on our interview form around what are the, what's the unique value or values that this individual can bring that we don't have. So we are looking for people who are unique and that have a different point of view. Um, I think often, you know, people think, oh, it's the Harvard way, you know, and we, we, we have, you know, uh, the, the, um, uh, we have, we do have a brand that carries a lot of weight, but it's like, yeah, that is true. But to make sure that all of the content that we produce, whether it's in HBR or whatever medium, we want to make sure that we are reflecting diverse perspectives. We want to make sure that we are reflecting um, the diversity in society globally. And to do that, um, we don't want everybody that has the same background, same experience, or that looks alike. So we right now have a completely new hiring strategy with a new um, staffing director, global staffing director, focusing on um, bringing in folks that can bring a, a fresh perspective and a unique perspective to our organization. Where do you find that pool of candidates? That's like the golden question, right? <laughs> like everyone, Everyone's struggling with, where yeah. do I find a diverse pool? Where mm-hmm. do I find the people who can bring in the unique... Mm-hmm abilities to my company? Where do you look? I know it's really hard. And so um, we too are struggling with that. So one of the things that we are doing is we are activating our um, our leadership team. So we have approximately 140 leaders at Harvard Business Publishing globally. And we are challenging each one of these leaders to expand their own networks, right? To join a group um, on LinkedIn that they haven't before. If, if they live in a particular area or city where um, they are doing in-person, in-person events and things like that, to please sign up for an event and show, um, and, and show up to something that you wouldn't have done before. So it doesn't, it's kind of like diversity, equity, and inclusion, and this whole culture piece doesn't just fall on the DEI practitioner. It's the same thing with recruiting. It doesn't just fall on the recruiters. It's all of us on how we show up and represent the organization and to expand our networks. So that literally is something that we're working on, like, as we speak. And we have um, sessions scheduled with our managers to, to discuss what that looks like and what is our role. Um, and how do we each own um, being attractive so that people seek us out um, in the future? I think that's so smart. And it's such a great point because you hear with a lot of companies that it does fall on HR. Like, okay, here's the job opening. HR, go find me the best person. Mm-hmm. When in fact, leadership at companies or really anyone who works for a company, you're an ambassador for the company. That's exactly right. And when you're out as an ambassador, you could be looking for someone unique to bring into your organization. So when you put the accountability on everyone versus Mm -hmm. just HR, it really does shift the dynamic. It does. And it's, um, you know, not easy, right? So we all have to step out of our comfort zone um, when we we actually are doing like a, a networking map exercise because it's like, oh, we're mapping our networks like, oh, yeah, I see, you know, we all just 
from a comfort level, go to the same people. You know, we reach out to the same organizations. Um, so it's actually been kind of fun. I personally have joined three new organizations over the past year. Um, and it's amazing the amount of people that I've met and, um, and referrals that we've gotten from those networks. So I truly believe in it. Um, but I, too, had to kind of step out of my, out of my comfort zone a bit. How did you pick the organizations that you joined that you Mm -hmm. just mentioned? Like, how do you decide, okay, this is where I want to swim in these waters to learn more and, and maybe meet employees that could be good for our company? You said it perfectly. It's actually mutually beneficial. So I was like, okay, what organizations can I learn from as well as potentially um, get greater exposure and be that ambassador to um, to Harvard Business Publishing, and so that's how I um, I design, That's how I kind of figured out the the organizations I was going to join. Two of them honestly do have a diversity focus, but one does not. Um, one is more around just broader leadership capabilities, but but I will say um, enabling women in particular, and then the other two have a um, underrepresented from a racial and ethnicity spin on it. But um, but yeah, I decided to to join organizations and and pay for memberships that I could get some that I would learn something from, as well as be an ambassador to HBP. I think that's great. And that's great advice to our listeners to really consider doing something similar to kind of expand your horizons and, you know, meet other people. Mm -hmm. And from one of those organizations, I actually just got an invitation yesterday to be part of a local um, um, executive panel discussion on um, HR topics. And so, and it's in December. And so I'm like, excellent. It was from one of those memberships. So now I'll meet a whole nother set of people um, that are new to me that will continue to, uh, that I'll personally get exposure to as well as hopefully, um, you know, uh, increase the brand representation as well. In reading your bio, it sounds like you're an expert on the multi-generational workforce. If I'm understanding this correctly, and, and it's something that we've also discussed here on this podcast is if you have, let's say, a young person at the entry level working with someone who's more senior, um, but they're at the same level. So a younger person working with an older person side by side, how do you understand each other? Because you come from different generations and different mm-hmm. backgrounds. How do you best work together? Yeah. So I think it goes back to two things. One, starting with those communication norms. So just agreeing on how we're going to work together, what are our communication styles, and, and, and just you know setting some ground rules, so to speak. But then the other piece is I think we need to um, call out our strengths and have a discussion around that. So we're both working together on the same project or we're both working together on the same team. So let's actually say out loud and articulate what are our strengths so that we can leverage those throughout. And I think that that is for every generation. So I I referenced this earlier and I'll I'll say it again and I stole it from uh, Verne Myers, so I must give her credit. But in a video she recorded years ago, she said, you know, how can I facilitate your best? And so let's then think not only as a people manager, but just as a teammate, how can I not only show up and give my best, but how can I ensure that my team members have that same situation? So, you know, having that discussion with your team member around what are their strengths, what what would they like to bring, where do they feel they're unable to contribute as much as they would like, and then together collectively we, we work through that. 
Um, but I think we often make assumptions and we stereotype based on um, generations. Mm. And that's where we have a huge miss. And so it is truly seeking to understand and learn more about that individual so that we can uh, best partner. Because we, you know, if you have uh, somebody of an older generation versus a younger, they're going to have very different life experiences, which is what makes it so cool. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Open Sesame helps companies develop the world's most productive and admired workforces. How? By having the most comprehensive catalog of e-learning courses from the world's top publishers, publishers like TED and Harvard. And having courses that cover learning topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion, leadership development, safety and compliance, and wellness. Try a course for free today by visiting opensesame.com backslash course of the week. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. Are there any best practices you can share along those lines? You know, I've found over the years, if you spend some time with someone outside of work, yeah. um, you see them differently, you create more of a bond. And then when you go back into the workplace, you have a different relationship with them. Have you been able to uh, have any best practices that strengthens those bonds? Absolutely. And it's, it's two things. I think it is actually literally having a discussion around strengths, right? So whatever, you don't even necessarily need a tool. It could be as simple as everybody take 10 minutes and think through what are your top three strengths, right? So I really do think it's that, and you can think of it as strengths. You can think of it as values, whatever, whatever that is, but you're exactly right. If we can identify, and, and I, um, I, I think in the conversation, they say four, but are there four things that we can identify where we can intersect. And so what are those four things that we can connect on where we have an intersection that is outside of work? So whether it is sports or music or travel or food or whatever it is. So then we need to create a space to do just that. And so it's a little bit tougher, to be honest with you, virtually than it is in person. Um, But some folks are back to the office, some are doing hybrid, some are still remote. But we actually need to make time and make the space for that. So um, I have to be honest, we're not as good at that as we would like because we're always so heads down in the work, but we need to sit up and elevate that. So one of the things that we are doing is we are doing brief monthly sessions with our leaders to, to have informal discussions, to get to know each other, to get to know others in the organization. And we were thinking, is monthly too much? Is monthly not enough? But we decided, man, if yes, we can make 45 minutes a month to come together and just have kind of these brief sessions around a particular topic that we can get to know each other and get to know others in the organization. So we're going to try to be intentional about it um, and kind of make that space. But yeah, we need those connections um, outside of work. That's great advice to our listeners. Um, A few more minutes. 
I'm really interested in how you run your hybrid meetings because some people are working remotely. Yeah. Some people are working in the office. When you have those meetings with some people in the office and some people joining remotely, how do you best organize those? Mm-hmm. So um, we have about 80 employees out of our 450 or 500 that are remote and always remote. And then we're going to have a percentage that are in the Boston area, of course, that are going to be in the office. And that's the majority. Um, I have always been one of those remote employees. And so um, up until um, everybody went virtual, you did feel excluded. Conversations took place around the meeting table um, in the office. You couldn't really hear. People would forget you were there. We now have an entirely um, heightened sense of awareness and a greater sense of empathy. We now understand what it feels like to be on the other side. So we have shifted not only our rules of engagement, but also our um, improved our technology in the office to make a more um, inclusive experience for all. So, for example, one of the things we've done is we are going to this we're redefining hybrid. So hybrid is, yes, we have some remote, some in the office, but we also are defining hybrid as you only spend so many days in the office for those of you that are there. Hmm. And we have enhanced the technology in our meeting rooms and we kind of have these new standards. So we are building into our agendas. We're making sure that we have people in the room that are stopping and pausing and and calling timeouts to make sure that the folks um, on the video um, have have ample opportunity to chime in. That's great advice for our listeners as well. Last question for you before I let you go. Give our audience a sense of what Harvard Business Publishing is working on right now. We're at such an interesting time in our world. So many things have happened in the last couple of years with the pandemic and you know, DE&I is more at the forefront. What are you working on? Mm-hmm. So I'll share actually what we're working on externally, because everything I've talked about is what we're working on internally. Right. So yeah, externally, um, we're working on two key things. And one that is to continue to diversify our contributors. So this is everybody from our authors in HBR to the people that we're publishing books from. And while we've done a really good job of diversifying this um, past, I'd say, year and a half regarding race and ethnicity, we are wanting to have not only black and brown people write about race and ethnicity, but also about everything else, strategy and innovation and all of the other business topics. So we are making a concerted effort to diversify the voices that we represent so that it is reflective of society, period. So that is a huge area of focus for us. The other area of focus for us is social impact. You know, the extent of systemic racism is deeper than I think many of us recognized until recent history. And so we are focusing on closing the education gap, which will then in turn close the wealth gap. So that pillar carries as much weight as our internal focus on culture, the representation piece. And then our third pillar is social impact. And they all carry equal weight. Ellen Bailey, the vice president of diversity and culture with Harvard Business Publishing. Thanks so much for joining us on the Learning Unlock podcast. You're doing great work and I appreciate your insight. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Learning Unlocked, presented by Open Sesame. Download this and every episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learning Unlocked is produced by Griggs Productions.